0: program, created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Offenders Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 132, regarding missing adults. Be on the lookout for Mr. and Mrs. Henry Steinhauer. But the elderly couple have not been seen since 5.30, Friday morning. That's all. rolling work. It is that year after year, Rio Grande Cracks gasoline continues to power more police and emergency cars than any other brand. It is because Rio Grande Cracks has one advantage which no other gasoline can claim. Here in the West, Rio Grande is the only company licensed to manufacture gasoline by the Sinclair Cracking Process, which is recognized the world over as the most efficient refining process known Rio Grande has invested millions of dollars to build one of the finest cracking plants in America. The gasoline that is cracked in this great refinery has qualities you'll find in no other gasoline. Many cities and counties have tested Rio Grande crack, and their unbiased records prove conclusively that motors develop more power, speed, and acceleration with this scientifically balanced gasoline. And yet, instead of being more expensive, Rio Grande cracked with petroethyl is absolutely the cheapest gasoline they can buy. Figure your own gasoline purchases from the viewpoint of miles per dollar. And you, too, will find you can enjoy police car performance in your own car at no extra cost. And now it is our pleasure to present Chief of Detectives, H.S. Sigler, of the Los Angeles Police Department, Chief Sigler.
1: Good evening, friends. The average citizen's concept of the police is limited, naturally, by his contact with them. The motorcycle officer who, perhaps, gives in a ticket for a traffic violation, or the radio patrolman who may answer his call about a barking dog. It is our hope, and the hope of the sponsors of calling all cars, that this broadcast may give the citizen and taxpayer a clearer idea of the complicated complicated organization which lies behind the officer you may casually contact. It is an organization of highly professionalists, criminologists, chemists, ballistic experts, an organization of hundreds of men employing the most modern systems of communication, an organization whose efficiency is not limited to the community it serves, but is an important cog in a great machine of similar organizations which represent society's only bulwarks against the forces of crime. Your policeman is an honored soldier of a vast army which 24 hours a day does battle in your name in a never-ending war against crime. November 20th,
0: 1935. In the University of Division Headquarters, the Los Angeles Police Department, Sergeant A.H. Wingerton is taking down a routine report. What are the uh, names of the missing persons? Mr. and Mrs. Henry Sainhal. Uh, address: 1839 West fourth, uh, 43rd Street. How long have they been missing? As far as we can tell, since 5.30 yesterday morning. So your name? Britton. George Britton. Mm-hmm. I'm the engineer at the Lewis Radio Company. Mr. Steinhardt worked for me. So what makes you think that something has happened to you, Mr. Mr. Steinhardt? Well, Henry Steinhardt worked for me for three years or more. He was always punctual. Sometimes he would tell me that he might be late the next day because he had to pay the gas bill or something like that. But the thing about Henry was that he never was late. He'd managed to do his errand and still get to work on time. Mm-hmm. When he failed to show up for work yesterday morning, I thought it was strange he hadn't told me that he'd be late. And then when he didn't show up all day, he wasn't at his desk this morning, I began to get worried, so I called the house. And Mr. Drake here answered the phone, and, uh, well, maybe he'd better tell you himself what he knows about it. I see. Uh, what's your full name? Drake. Address? Whatever the sternhouse. My nephew. When well, did you last see them? Oh. My aunt came to my bedroom door about 5.30 Friday morning. She said that she and Uncle Henry were going to San Pedro to see the landlord about the house. She said they'd be back later, but they didn't come back. It's got me worried. They never went away like this before. Well, we'll get the broadcast out to all cars to look for them. Now, 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 wait a minute.
1: I don't know whether that would be a good idea. Why not? know. Well, they, they aren't in trouble. And they're going, say, to San Diego to the fair. And they would not like the publicity,
0: Henry would be pretty angry, I'm sure. Well, the only thing we can do in that case is to check the hospitals and the morgue. That, that would be best. I'd advise you to let me send out a broadcast moment. Suppose we wait until Monday. If they haven't returned by then, you'd better broadcast it. All right. Will we come back Monday, then? Yes. We'll let you know what's happened on Monday. <laughs> Over the weekend, Sergeant Wingerton checks the hospital, the morgue, the sheriff's office for news of the missing couple. But his inquiries are secret. When Mr. Britton returns Monday morning with no further news of the Steinhauers, Captain Stone informs Lieutenant Guy Rudolph and Frank Condraft of the facts and assigns the two officers to the case. Their first step is to visit the Steinhauer residence. For several minutes, they stand on the front porch, ringing the doorbell. Well, I guess the kid's not home, Frank. Well, I didn't expect him to be. Captain said he was in court today. Well, let's try the house next door. See what the neighbors know about the sign house. Yeah, good idea. Come on. We're yes?
2: looking
0: for Mr. and Mrs. Steinhouse. And nobody here by that name. Yes, I know. They live next door, but uh, they don't seem to be at home. you know where they've gone? I didn't even know the justice this what their name was. Oh, I see. You're not very well acquainted with your neighbors, then. <laughs> I haven't had time. They just moved in a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I did? <laughs> Have you seen
1: them in the past day or two? Oh,
0: I haven't noticed. I've got too much to do around the house to keep care of my neighbors. <laughs> But I said that he big drive in in a new car, though. You mean Leroy Drake, Roy Drake, you. But I don't know what his name is. I suppose he was very strong. When did the boy come in with a new car? Oh, I don't know. A couple days ago, I suppose. So I really didn't notice much. Well, what makes a car was it? I don't know. It was a fancy thing, though. One of those sit down towards, I guess. Is there anything else you know about them? Anything else? I don't know anything about him. Well, thank you just the same. Oh, you're welcome. The kid shows up in a new car on Saturday.
1: Today he got $5 from Britain because he didn't have enough to read on. That looks a little strange.
0: Last <laughs> night, the officers hailed a Roy rate as he drives off and he strips down the ford. Their trail has not much consequence, but the youth only goes to Long Beach, picks up his girlfriend, and takes her to a movie. But the officers cannot waste their time, for they are now in possession of the address of the girl and the license number for the boy's car. Next morning, while a check is being made on the car, Carnegie and Rudolph present themselves at the Steinhauer house.
1: Now, Mr. Drake,
0: we'd like to get your angle on the disappearance of your aunt and uncle. Oh, gosh. I don't know what to make of it. They never went away like this before. I'm sure something terrible's happened to them. Oh, maybe they just went away for a little trip? I don't know. They wouldn't have done it without leaving me any money. And they didn't leave you any? No, not a cent. I had to borrow five dollars from Mr. Ditton Saturday. And uh, what exactly did your aunt say to you on Friday morning? Well, she came to the door of my room about five thirty She said she and Uncle Henry were going down to San Pedro to see the landlady about the house, and that they'd be back home soon. Is that all she said? That's all I can remember. I'm pretty sleepy, of course. I feel sure something terrible has happened to them. I haven't been able to sleep ever since Friday. The suspense is awful. You that's great. It doesn't seem likely anything could have happened to your uncle and aunt without us knowing about it. She sent their description and the description of their car all over the state by teletype. We're broadcasting their description to all police and sheriff's cars every hour. We checked all the hospitals. They'd had a serious accident. It would have been reported to us by now. Yeah, they went going over the edge of a canyon someplace up in the mountains. It might not be found for days. It might be in some lonely place now, suffering, needing help. Oh, no sense, in, sense in getting so excited, Barry. You're letting your imagination get away from you, my boy. I'm sorry. Did you see how upset I am? Yes. Yes, I see. Do you mind showing us through the house uh, just to check if everything's in order? Well, I've already looked all around and there's nothing out of place. Well, do you mind showing us? No. Let's start with this room That's their room. Oh. Well, nothing seems out of place here. How about those pillows and the closet? Anything missing there, Grace? Oh, no, sir. That are all there. Do you mind taking them over again, sir? No, of course not. Hey, then, two of gone. One thing. How about baggage? Yeah. And a suitcase going, too. Well, then, they should have gone on a trip, I guess. Yes. It looks like it, doesn't it? But even if they did, they'd have gotten in touch with me before this. Something must have happened to them. Where is your room, Dick? Down the hall. It's this. Why? What do you want to look in there for? Hey, just for fun. Do you mind showing you? I will. This way. Does your my uncle have any money, Drake? Yes, a little. Where is it? In the bank in Long Beach. Why oh, hey, in Long Beach? Well, we used to live there till the first of the month. How much did your uncle have? About $1,500, I guess. Here's my room. Pretty much of a mess without my aunt here to clean it up. Well, uh, nice cozy room. Yeah, it's comfortable. That's your car out back there? That's for
2: it?
0: Yeah, that's mine. My uncle bought it for me. What's
1: this piece of glass here
0: on the desk? Oh, that's an old porthole from the ship. I'm grabbing a down to make a lens for a telescope.
1: Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's
0: cellar yeah. Yeah. been working for a year on that lens.
1: Well, what's this gun here? More astronomy?
0: Oh, no. Uh, there's some gadgets I got in my car last week. But I've been so worried I haven't felt like putting them on. Are these your papers in the desk drawer here? Yeah, just some old junk I threw in there. I see. Anything important, Frank? Mm, no, that's not all done. So, well, uh when you take you right over to the station with Guy and me, Drake. We've got to make a report and then we'll all go out and have lunch. Okay. We're glad to. At the station, the two detectives receive a report on Drake's car. And then discussing the the generalities, they take the youth to lunch. An hour later, we drive him out to of the exposition park and begin to question him in earnest. Drake, uh, we understand from what you and Mr. Britton told us that you were broke Saturday and Mr. Britton lent you five dollars. That's why right he did. Yet among these unimportant papers we found in your desk drawer were receipts uh, from an automobile supply, for tires, and other car supplies amounted to more than twelve dollars. These receipts were dated Saturday. see, Lieutenant, come there. Don't uh, start explaining until so you've heard what we've got to say. You also stated to us this morning that your uncle had some money in the bank in Long Beach. In your desk drawer, we found bank books for savings and checking account in your uncle's name on a branch bank at 49th and Western. I can explain
2: that to you. You
0: told us that your uncle had bought you that car. we well, checked the car and find that you paid $150 mm-hmm. for it Saturday afternoon and that you bought it in your uncle's name. Well, how
1: about it, Jake?
0: That's the real story? I think you fellows know more about this than you're telling. Please don't keep me in suspense like this. What's happened to my uncle, aunt? Oh, it's scary. Jake, we want to know the truth about that money. Well, I lied to you about the money, I guess. You guess?
2: Yeah.
0: Uncle transferred his bank account last week from Long Beach to a branch out in Weston. On Saturday, I transferred $400 from his savings account to his checking account. You
1: transferred it?
0: What do you mean? Well, I... I drew it out. I you mean you forged your uncle's signature? Well, we could call it that, I guess, but I didn't figure it made any difference. You didn't? Why not? Well, you see, that money was left to me by my grandfather. Uncle Henry was keeping it for me until I was 21. I figured I was entitled to it, seeing as how Uncle and Aunt had gone away and left me. Mm. Where are your Uncle and Aunt, Drake? I don't know. I wish I did. But you guys know. You know a lot more about this than you'll say. They're dead, aren't they? Take it with them. Some of the bodies. The only one who can do that is you, Drake. What do you mean? I don't know anything about them. I don't know where they've gone. But you know. You found them. Probably dead in an accident. You're keeping it from me. You're torturing me. Tell me what you've done with them. Uh, where are you taking me now? Down to the Long Beach. Down to Long Beach? What for? To see Mabel. Now, uh, listen, Lieutenant. You keep Mabel out of it. She doesn't know a thing about it. She's. I mean, How'd it didn't look that way the other night when you drove home after the movies. What do you mean? We were following you. The two detectives drive the frantic youth down to Long Beach to the house of his girlfriend, Maybell. The officers interview the girl on the front porch where they can keep an eye on Drake whom they are left seated in the police car.
2: Why, yes, Leroy came down to see me on Friday night. Well, what did you do? We went to a movie, but we only stayed through the first feature because he said he had to be home early.
0: Did he give you any reason?
2: Yes, he said that his uncle and aunt were leaving early the next morning to go on a vacation. What's this all about? Is Leroy in trouble?
0: Well, not exactly, Miss, but, uh, you see, his uncle and aunt, Mr. and Mrs. Steiner, are missing. We're trying to locate them.
2: They're not missing. They're on a the vacation. How do you know that? Well, Leroy told me.
0: Well, when did they go away?
2: Saturday morning. Yeah, how do
0: you know this?
2: Well, Leroy came down to see me Friday night. He left early because he said he had to see his uncle and aunt off early the next morning.
1: That would be Saturday morning? Yes. Yeah. You're sure of the days?
2: Positive.
0: Well, then something is wrong because Mr. and Mrs. Steinau have been missing since Friday morning. Oh. Take her in, fat guy. I'm going to have another cup of drinks. Come along, now. What's Rudolph going inside with her for? What's he going to do to her? Nothing, Jib. She's just getting her hat in and, and they're taking her up to jail. What fellow. She has nothing to do with it. She doesn't even know my uncle and Anna. We can't take any chances. Oh, look. you're taking her to jail, what about me? Am I under arrest? What does it look like to you? For that? Why are you arresting me? Suspicion of murder. Listen, Condatus. Maybell doesn't know a thing about this. She's absolutely innocent. You can't mix her up on it. You can't take any chances. Mm
2: Listen.
0: I'll tell you all about it. And don't get made on this stuff. Take me in there and I'll tell you all about it in front of her. All right. Come on. Craig's
1: ready to talk,
2: guy. Good. What's it all about, Lorraine?
0: Just sit down, honey, and I'll tell you all about it. It's going to be hard to take, but... I had to tell the whole thing. In the first place, Maybell, they got me on trial with an LA for autopsy. Oh lord! Oh, I ain't guilty, honey. That's beside the point. I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to worry. But I couldn't keep it from my uncle and aunt. And they've been worrying plenty. Auntie's been brooding. And she couldn't face the shame of it, so he sent me away. Uncle felt the same way, too, I guess, but he didn't say much. Anyways. They were proud couples. couple. Just that's the reason they did it. Did what? coming suicide. Oh. Go on. Tell us about it. Well, when we were finishing up supper Friday night, Uncle Henry entered his coffee cup, and a minute later he was gasping for breath and asking him for water. He got up and stumbled into the front room and fell down. I was bringing the water into him, and I heard a thud. And I looked around, and I saw Andy falling under the tracks. I ran back and took her post. And she was dead. I we went back with the water for Uncle Henry, but he didn't need it. He was dead too. Oh, no. Where well, the bodies? I'm coming to that. I didn't know what to do for a while. I just sat there and looked at them, Then it occurred to me that they were so afraid of the disgrace of me maybe going to Clinton, they'd be more ashamed if there was a lot of publicity about them committing suicide. I figured I'd get rid of the bodies, tell people they'd gone away, disappeared, and they wouldn't be disgraced. Okay? I see quite clearly. Go no. on. Nothing more to tell. You two guys know the rest. You found the body. That's the reason you've been playing with me all day like a cap in a mouth. You've got your confession. And it ain't you surprised. It isn't a confession at all. See, I haven't done anything. Except help a couple of old people to hide their shame. Oh, take it easy, kid. Take it easy. You jump at conclusions. We haven't the slightest idea where the bodies are. We had no suspicions of you when we started to question you this morning. It was your own guilty knowledge and the fact that we didn't accuse you that made you tell us the whole story, if you have. Now finish it up. Where are the bodies? I drove them off with fear over in Wilmington. Oh, you really? drove them off with fear? Yeah. I put Uncle Henry in the front seat and Andy in the back seat and popped them up so they'd look
2: natural. Finally, please. I can't stand any more of mm.
0: this. Go ahead, Jake. I drove them down to Wilmington. I went out on a couple of piers, but there were too many people around. I was loading ship. And I found a nice deserted pier, and I got the car rolling. Slipped it in a high and jumped out. Went right off the end. Which pier was it? A grace line, Doc. I hung around for an hour to see if the bodies had float, but they didn't come up. So I went home. Are you telling us the truth? Of course I am. It's unbelievable. Well, I guess I'd better call headquarters and have them send a driver over there, Frank. Right. And we'll just get over from here. That is, if Drake doesn't mind showing us his uncle and aunt what regrets. Not at all. I'd be glad
2: to.
0: Rudolph's call to the detective Joe Taylor has immediate results. By the time Drake and his police escort arrive at the end of the dock, a delegation of reporters and police officials are already there, and the fireboat, under the command of Captain Dykeman, the diving apparatus aboard, is steaming down the harbor. Here's the fireboat coming in Think you can show us where the car went down, Greg? Yeah, I guess so Okay, let's start driving The flat, dead sun drops its molten disk into the diurnal grave the screening spirit suddenly hits across the gray waters of the harbor as the tiny boat drops its blueish fingers over the tide. As night wars across the world, they streak curtly at the harbor floor, metal hands groping for the lost dead. The silent group of the living huddled together on the deck of the fireboat themselves become the image of the dead as the tiny looking fingers of the fog embrace them transform them into formlessness. Each man, gale into the black, oily water, dreads the accomplishment of the mission which is brought him there. Dreads that moment of horror to which no man can ever become accustomed. That moment when the sea gives back her dead. Hour after hour, the living slowly steam back and forth, vainly enticing the dead with state of steel, and wire. And time and time again, the sea with whom erases raises their hopes and their fears. As the hook takes hold, it carefully hauls aboard, daring not a cross, but a waterlogged barrel, a rusted snarl of cable, the hull of a wreck singing. But at last, the grappling hook catches. Hold fast. Will not move. The diving gear quickly assembled. Captain Backman, assisted by two helpers, slowly friends into the massive leaden shod suit. The great apocryphal helmet is placed over his head, folded into place. The pumps are started. the telephone tested, and supported by his men, the captain takes his place on the stage. Here is a figure worthy of the mission. Here indeed is an emissary to Hades, a god who wears forty pound boots, whose head is one huge eye. Here is a Pythrox who rests the dead from Neptune. Slowly, the stage drops beneath the surface. The harbor water slipped up to the captain's waist, to his shoulder, and about the window of his helmet, covered in. A great grapefruit line floating out the sea causes the dance under the bubbles of his bow as he disappears from sight. A moment of silence. And then the earphones with the helper on deck to speak. Hold your cable. I'm on bottom. All right, hold the cable. Have you found the circle?
2: Job. <laughs> there. I've got him clear. Put him on the stage. You can hold him up while well, I get Mister. my colour out of the back
0: seat. There you are.
2: All the way to the stage. Easy.
1: months later, Mrs. Steinhauer's body is hauled aboard to lie beneath a problem beside her husband. Tom Dopper and Rudolph lead the emotionless girl across the deck to the group in addition to their company.
0: Third, um, I want you to take a good look at these bodies and tell me if they're your uncle and aunt. Well, it looks different. That's them all right. <laughs> Drake is taken back to University Station where he was questioned by Commander and Rudolph and Lieutenant Jack Donahue and Captain Stone. Doubtly, he sticks to his story that his aunt and uncle had entered into a suicide trial. But as midnight sings in the dawn, it is evident that the relentless logic of the police is beginning to take effect. I don't mean, see so why you guys put asking me these full questions. You know more about this than you're telling. You've known more about it all along. You've been playing with me like a cat plays with a mouse. I'm sick of it. And we're sick of that crack playing story of yours. That your uncle and I have committed suicide. Listen, kid. In the first place, we've got forgery on you on your own confession. You're in a tough spot, and it won't take you any to tell us the truth. I know I'm in a tough spot. But I can't do anything but tell the truth, can I? And that's all we want. You told us that your uncle and aunt died from poisoned coffee they gave themselves. Is that true? Yes. When did this happen? It's been a Friday night. But you told the sergeant last Saturday that the last time you saw your aunt was at 5.30 Friday morning. And she told you she was going to San Pedro.
2: Well?
0: Is that true? Yes. No, that's that is... Well, both statements can't be true. Now, what is the truth? Oh, well, will you let me go to sleep if I tell you the whole story? Gladly. We're just as sleepy as you are. Well, this is the way it happened. I told you how worried my uncle and aunt were about me being in trouble. That's a proof. I worried about it too. Not for myself, but it upset me how they were worried. They were getting along. Over sixty. I if they wouldn't survive the shot and just I bound to be sent to prison. It seemed to me that the kindest thing I could do would be to kill them, then they'd never be unhappy about me. They'd never know what happened to me. You thought about mercy killing, eh? You could call it that. Well, I thought of all the ways I could do it. I thought of driving them over a cliff. I was afraid they'd only be crippled instead of being killed. And I thought of poison. I was afraid that an autopsy would show that up. Finally, I decided to poison them and then drive them off the dock where they'd never be found. And that's what I did. Oh. If this is because you wanted to spare them the disgrace of your going to prison. Eh? That's right. That fifteen hundred dollar bank account of your uncle that you've already committed forgery on couldn't have influenced you at all, I suppose. Of course not. And well, anyway, that money was rightfully mine. <laughs>
1: investigations by the officers proved that this third story of Leroy Drake was indeed true. The youth was identified at the store where he had bought the cyanide that killed his uncle and aunt and the bottle which contained the poison and also carried Drake's fingerprints was subsequently discovered. Drake was quickly brought to trial and pleaded not guilty and not guilty by reason of insanity. But when the defense counsel realized the magnitude of the case we had built against his client, he threw him on the mercy of the court. On December the 17th, 1935, Drake was sentenced to life imprisonment in San Quentin penitentiary on two counts of first-degree murder, and with a recommendation that he never be granted parole. Thank you, Chief figure. Ladies and gentlemen, for complete
0: stories and descriptions of the two crime cases to be broadcast on this program, get the new June edition of the Calling All Cars News, given away free wherever Rio Grande Quack gasoline is sold. A double-size extra edition this month, full of true detective mysteries, radio and movie news. Rio Grande also offers, free to every boy and girl, a complete junior detective outfit of 14 valuable gifts. See the Calling All Cars news for details. While you're in the Rio Grande station, ask about Sinclair Motor Oil, the oil that pioneered the new processes you hear so much about nowadays. As one of the world's largest manufacturers of lubricants, Sinclair perfected the dewaxing waxing and the de jellying process which extracts all waste materials, leaving only pure oil that gives instant and complete lubrication the second you step on the stopper, and provides an amazingly thin and unbelievably tough film of protection. Thin-car motor oils are so thin there's no drag to hold back the flying systems of high-compression motors, and it's guaranteed never to break down at higher speed. You can get these great oils in refinery sealed, tamper-proof cans, and your Rio Grande Class gasoline dealer guarantees Sinclair McCoy to give you your money worth. for lubrication safety. Sinclair Eye for lubrication safety. Tenters,
2: <laughs> police calling all cars.
0: Attention to all cars. The cancellation broadcast 132 regarding two missing persons
1: your missing person has been found murdered that's all lonely
0: Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.